Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hour two of the program. Going to talk a lot of hoops this hour. Hit on the Anthony Davis trade rumors. Lots of angles unfolding there. We hear that the Los Angeles Lakers are finally involved in discussions with the Pelicans about Anthony Davis really trying to push to trade for him before the trade deadline. Of course, a mega trade with the Knicks sending Kristaps Porzingis off to the Dallas Mavericks, which certainly creates a new angle this summer that the Knicks now become serious contenders to possibly land Anthony Davis should these talks stretch to the summer. Of course, Boston will enter those conversations of the summer they are not in those conversations now because of an obscure rule where they cannot trade for another player on a rookie extension right now after they did that with Kyrie Irving so um, my piece online at wwl.com right now says that the Pelicans should wait until this summer to trade Anthony Davis and we'll get into that in just a little bit but first we've got to talk a little LSU maybe a lot of LSU because the Tigers they win again they go on the road and they throttle Texas A&M 72 to 57 yesterday. You heard that right here on WWL in this time slot. And the Tigers remain undefeated in the SEC. They're up to 19th in both the coaches and AP polls. And as and Ralph Michaels told you there, right before the top of the hour, nowhere to go but up. He thinks for the Tigers this season. So we're going to bring on in Tyler Nunez of tigerag.com to talk about it here tyler welcome back to the show man what's going on the tigers are red hot yeah man they're still uh they're still going i could have sworn they'd have a loss by now in sec play but here we are they keep uh pulling out wins in a lot of different ways so uh, uh, when they got here and it i mean it seems to be going in the right direction yeah no doubt about it let's talk about tremont waters yesterday my goodness 36 points (laughs) six of 10 from three i mean he was as good as he has ever been in a tigers uniform yeah absolutely and it's not just that i mean he was i mean it didn't really turn out turn out the way it usually does but he was distributing the ball really well as well but he yeah he just took over that game whenever he had the ball in his hand he just he knew exactly what to do with it uh, he, I guess he likes to put on a show in Reed Arena because last time he was there, he hit that uh, that phenomenal game winner, and he had, also had a good game. This time he goes there and drops half of LSU's points in a 72-57 win. So, Tremont Waters, huge game. Yeah, he, well, he's rounding into Waters' form, the Waters that we saw last year. And yeah. really, so are a lot of these young guys, um, which is what makes this so exciting. And, and even Darius stays off the bench. I know um, Will Wade said, basically, I told you so, or actually maybe that verbatim was, I told you so, in the press <laughs> conference today much. about Dave. Uh, he's got a, a, a load of players here. A lot of young players that really has rounded out this roster over the last few weeks. 
Yeah, Will Wade kind of bragged about it. He said, the, he, although he said he, we, we didn't listen, we were all tweeting about it as soon as uh, as soon as it was going on. Right. We, all, we all knew exactly what was going on. Uh, yeah, Darius Davis had a great game. I think the best part was he didn't get into foul trouble. I don't think he committed a foul all game, and that's really been a, that's been his primary issue. He hasn't been able to stay on the floor long enough to make him. So, but he was out there, and I mean, he he had seven offensive rebounds, eight rebounds overall. Uh, he got nine points, I believe. I think. I mean, that's one of the best performances he's had all season. He was only on the floor for 15 minutes, so those are really good numbers. That's really high efficiency, and uh, those offensive rebounds were huge. And yeah, it's not just him. I mean, Javante Smart was huge in that uh, comeback win against Missouri in overtime. Uh, Reed, he may not be per- performing as well offensively as a lot of people would hope, but defensively, he's one of the most valuable players that LSU has. These these freshmen have really grown up in a big way, and. Uh, I think that, I mean, they've played a really big part uh, in LSU's success so far. So that's 10 in a row now for the Tigers, probably going to make it 11 when they play Arkansas, you would think anyways. I guess nothing's assured in conference play, but this team, I tell you, Tyler, I think it's just playing as well as this program has since maybe Lynn Davis was on campus. I really mean that. I I, I can't remember an LSU team that has played this well for this long of a stretch in, in at least a decade, maybe longer. Yeah, it definitely didn't happen during the Trent Johnson era, and I can't say it ever happened during the Johnny Jones era either. So, and yeah, this is uh, I mean, this is new territory for LSU in recent history. Uh, they haven't really been able to do this for a long time. I mean, the last time they won seven, they've opened SEC play with six or seven wins was those Glenn Davis teams. I think it was the 06 team that went to the Final Four. So, I think this is uh, I mean, LSU is definitely trending up. It says a lot about Will Wade what he's been able to do with this program in just a year and a half, really, and. I think I mean you you gotta like the way that they're they're trending and it seems like it's a different player every game. I mean, last night it was Tremont Waters. The game before that it was Skylar Mays and Javante Smart. The game before that I believe it was Cavell Bigby Williams. I mean, it, it, it's somebody else different every time they hit the floor. And it really speaks to their depth. Here's a text from the 504. It says LSU basketball snuck up on me. They're pretty good. I like the coach. Uh, Tyler Nunez here joining us from Tiger Eye. Let's talk about that coach. And, and if there was yeah. one, uh, not necessarily a knock, but one question mark about Will Wade was, well, can he win with the players that he recruits uh, to the program? It's because he only stayed a couple of years at VCU, only stayed a couple of years yeah. at uh, stop before that. But here he says he's here for the long Yeah, he says, Tyler, he's here for the long haul, and it's hard not to believe him if he's going to win at this clip and get these kind of players over to Baton Rouge. Yeah, if he can keep doing this, there'd be no reason for him to leave. I think if they could, I mean, LSU, he he, he mentioned the other day, LSU's not Kentucky, but if he keeps doing this every season, it's not going to take long to kind of develop that blue blood status, right? Like if they're able to come out with these young teams every year and and, and bolster them with 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 uh, with experienced guys, I think that there's no reason to believe that he can't continue to win to these guys. This team's winning because it's well coached. I mean, this the same team could go to a lot of programs in this country and not have the same success. These guys are well coached. I mean, when you have this many freshmen playing such large roles and with really an only an eight-man rotation, I think that says a lot about what Will Wade's been able to do with them over a short period of time. So, uh, Will Wade, a lot of attention to detail. I mean, he gets the most out of these guys. I mean, the guys who have been there for extended periods of time, like Skylar Mays, Marshall Graves, they've all talked about the 
the uh, the improved work ethic that they've developed since he's gotten here. I think that I mean Will Wade, he's going to brush off any credit you give him, but. He, he's really one of the primary reasons that LSU's been able to turn it around over these last couple of years. How do you see this SEC conference right now and kind of the hierarchy? It's I think we've talked about this before. It seems it's so top-heavy so top heavy to me, and LSU's among that. I really only think actually a trio of teams up at the top of the schedule if you talk about Tennessee and Kentucky. I think there's – and LSU's already beaten South Carolina, so there's a little bit of a drop-off after that, but they're competing with the big boys right now. Yeah, they're in that they're in that tier with Tennessee and Kentucky right now. Obviously, they haven't played either of those teams yet, so uh, that that'll come in February. We'll learn a little bit more about LSU, about a little bit more about the Tigers. Uh, after that, after you know Tennessee and Kentucky, there's, there's LSU. Auburn is a team that struggled a lot that I don't think anybody really expected. I think that they were, I mean, they were a top ten team at one point of the season, and I think they're two and four, three and three in SEC play so far. That's not where you want to be. Uh, I think that. Uh, Mississippi State has also struggled in a way that people didn't expect. But then, like you mentioned, uh, South Carolina, I mean, they, they weren't picked to do very well. Ole Miss was picked to finish dead last in the conference, and they've got some wins. I think that uh, you're, you're right, it's a little bit top-heavy, but at the same time, any game is a losable game. We saw Tennessee really struggle against Vanderbilt, who's still looking for their first SEC win so far this season. So uh, I think that uh, especially when LSU's on the road, there's a lot to be worried about. And even Arkansas this weekend, they've got a, they got a lottery pick in Daniel Gafford. So and he really beat LSU up when they were up in Fayetteville earlier this season. So I think that uh, – there's no no game. There's not any easy win on the schedule, but LSU has kind of separated itself from a lot of the rest of the conference. So let's play optimist to close it out here. Been a lot of pessimism yeah. with the the Saints loss and Anthony Davis around these parts <laughs> the last couple of weeks. So let's play yeah. optimist to close it out here. What's this team's ceiling? What's this team's ceiling for you this year, Tyler? Ceiling. I'm gonna say third in the SEC with a four seed in the SEC in the NCAA tournament. Is that uh, optimistic enough? Yeah, that's that, that's optimistic to me right now. Lenardi has him as a five seed in the tournament. Do you think yeah. that they can make a run uh, to the second weekend of said NCAA tournament? Oh, absolutely. This is a, a good friend of mine, Cody Warsham, a guy who, whose job I took, and he's now works at LSU athletic department. I think he put it best. Uh, this is a six team. Never take take a game based on the matchups that they're given in the tournament. I think that. Uh, they're obviously not a perfect team. They're not as deep as they'd like to be as far as uh, – I think an eight-man rotation is a little shallow, especially once you get into the tournament play. Uh, but if given the right matchups, they could they could make a run in the NCAA tournament for sure. It's Tyler Nunez, uh, at by Tyler Nunez uh, on Twitter, TigerRag.com. Tyler, we'll be talking to you a lot more as the season progresses. Thanks so much again. Yeah. Yeah, man, anytime, man. I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, LSU basketball, and there he goes, LSU basketball on fire right now. Ten wins in a row, and it doesn't look like uh, they're going to slow down anytime soon, this this ride that they're on. Now, their schedule might slow them down a little bit here because after Arkansas, like Tyler referenced, things get a lot tougher. They play Mississippi State on the road, who's 22nd in the country right now. Auburn at home. Auburn struggling, but they were a top-10 team before the season. you got Kentucky and, and Florida a couple times, Tennessee on the back half. So this schedule will get a lot tougher, but this win streak probably is going to reach 11. They take care of business at home on Saturday. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk more hoops. We'll talk some Pelicans and Anthony Davis. And then second half of the hour, we'll talk to Bobby Marks, front office ESPN insider, about possible Anthony Davis trades and how the Pelicans will go forward. I'm Seth Dunlap. The last lap continues on WWL.
Right, lots to get to regarding Anthony Davis. We'll do it the rest of the hour. Again, Bobby Marks, front office ESPN insider, coming up at 9.30. And our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll up now at WWL.com. Should Anthony Davis suit up again for the Pelicans this season? Simple yes or no there. Curious to see those results. You can go to WWL.com, the radio.com there. My commentary online that I wrote at WWL.com, the Pelicans need to wait till this summer to trade Anthony Davis. They, they just do. There's so much push from some in the media. Some of those people, I believe, have an agenda. And certainly there's a push by the Los Angeles Lakers, who reports today said that they have put up at least five different trade packages on the table for Anthony Davis, that they want to get this done now. And their message is clear with this, with what the Lakers have done. They're willing to send everything they can to the Pelicans now in order to head off a summer bidding war for his services. And they have opened it up for everybody. Apparently, all players on their roster outside of LeBron James are on the table in a possible AD trade, as are their upcoming draft picks over the next couple of seasons. Now, what the Lakers are doing in addition to that, they're coyly leaking their summer plans to the media. And this is a strategic leak by Magic Johnson and company over there. And those leaks indicate that, well, the Lakers, they won't be in full pursuit of Davis anymore if you get past February 7th. That's a bunch of nonsense. Don't believe that when you see it. Uh, the the storyline goes, apparently, from the Lakers that, well, that they don't want to bid with the Celtics or the Knicks or any of these other teams who, once the summer hit, will be in pursuit of Davis. Again... The Lakers, LeBron James, and Magic are fully invested in bringing Davis to Los Angeles. If that hasn't been clear before, certainly been clear this week. And they want to do that, if not in time for this season, certainly in time for next season, as LeBron James isn't as young as he once was. He turns 35 next year. And if they're going to open up and keep the cap space needed to sign Anthony Davis when he becomes a free agent, well, that's going to hamstring their plans for next season also. Johnson has also, Magic Johnson has kind of backed himself into a corner here. Remember the comments that he made publicly that said, if I don't bring superstars to Los Angeles, you can hold me directly accountable and I shouldn't have this job. Well, he's got to back that up. And if he misses out on Anthony Davis here, whether it's before the deadline or this summer, I'm not sure he's going to hang on to that job by the time Davis reaches free agent status. Now, if you missed today, the Knicks, a huge blockbuster trade, hugely surprising also, of Chris Stapp's Porzingis to uh, Dallas. That has had ripple effects towards the Pelicans here. There's no doubt about it. The Knicks now, as they shedded that salary, they have the salary cap space to sign a couple of stars. And although they may not have the wealth of assets, say a Boston does, or maybe even the Lakers do, they've become a contender for Davis this summer. They're reportedly in the running for Kyrie Irving, maybe via trade. If they can put a couple of stars around, if they get the number one pick, Zion Williamson, that becomes a destination, major market destination. The Knicks could be quickly back into contender status in the East. 
None of this is to say, of course, that L.A. hasn't made serious offers to the Pelicans. There were reports earlier that, well, the Pelicans weren't even talking to L.A. Those kind of got dispelled. Apparently, either Demps or somebody in the front office has been talking to the Pelicans today and yesterday. And according to those same reports, L.A. is prepared to offer everybody, whether that's Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, multiple first-round picks for Davis. Apparently, no player other than James off the table and those are, look, I'm not saying the Pelicans shouldn't consider those offers. You've got to do your diligence here. But the reasons they should wait until the summer to pull the trigger on any Lakers offer, it's pretty straightforward, folks, and it's two-pronged. First, if the Lakers are willing to sell the farm now to bring in Davis, and come on, that means they're going to be able and willing to do that in the summer when it gets to July. Don't believe the reports that suggest they're going to back out if he isn't in Los Angeles by the trade deadline on February 7th next Thursday. Like I said, LeBron's getting getting older. Not going to be the spring chicken he was anymore. Already banged up this year. And next season could provide a serious championship window for the Lakers. They want AD there then. Not in 2020-2021. The second part of this, and the reasons why the Pelicans should wait until the summer to make any Davis trade, is what I've been talking about all week. Current Pelicans general manager, Del Demps, he cannot be allowed to orchestrate any trade of Davis. He just cannot. Demps became a lame duck general manager the minute that Davis and his agent, Rich Paul, informed the Pelicans that he wasn't going to resign here. I would assume, and from the two people that I've talked to who are in the know about this, this is true that the Pelicans are working very quietly behind the scenes to come up with a pool of possible candidates that they're going to reach out to or reach out to them about becoming the next general manager after Demps. That should be happening. And let's just be honest here. I think it would be malfeasance of responsibility by those in charge if the Pelicans franchise allows Demps to stay on to execute any Anthony Davis deal. You just don't get to do that when you incinerated seven years here of Anthony Davis, when you traded Chris Paul, and you've made a a complete botching of the free agency and draft process here during your tenure. There is in no reality, the, the real one or the alternate reality, should Dell Demps be the one pulling the trigger on an Anthony Davis trade. Now, the, the reality of these log- logistics is, and Jake Madison talked about this on the program of Locked on Pelicans earlier this week, that Demps is going to have to probably be involved if you're trading some of the other assets before the trade deadline, whether that's Julius Randle or, or Nico Miritich or whoever it is on this team. But the path forward for the Pelicans is just extremely clear here. I mean, this isn't rocket science, folks. This is free market capitalism. Bidding wars and demand... Lack, uh, I should say supply and lack of it. Here you got one guy drives up demand. Hold off on trading Anthony Davis until this summer. You'll have multiple new suitors enter the market for him. You'll also have, my goodness, you should have a new general manager in charge to execute whatever trade he feels like gives the Pelicans the best chance to win and really to mold this franchise and rebuild it in his vision. It's going to be Dempsey's team. This, this, this isn't rocket science, folks. Folks, It's just not. The Pelicans aren't here to enrich the Los Angeles Lakers. They're here to try to make the best lemonade out of these lemons. Bobby Marks coming up next.
Here's a text from the 985. Seth, is there any way possible, any way that they get rid of Dell Demps and Anthony Davis stays and does not go? Uh, no, that is a, a fantasy that doesn't really jive with the reality here. The, the writing is on the wall. I mean, you can, you can hope and pray and grasp at straws, but Anthony Davis will not be here by the time next season rolls around. At least it would be an incredible surprise. Does he stay past the trade deadline? I think so. I think it would be smart. I mean, you just have new bidders entering the market here when the summer comes. I mean, it's again, it's capitalism 101, even in really kind of a uh, not a capitalistic uh, NBA trade market. Let's put it that way. All right, as promised, Bobby Marks, front office insider for ESPN NBA, joins us now. Bobby, what a wild day. What a wild week here uh, in the NBA, man. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Oh, uh, you know, we're okay. We're, we're it's been a hell of a two weeks here, uh, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has. <laughs> you still, guys need a break, right? <laughs> man, we really do. Just uh, the epicenter of the sports world here. Uh, before we get to AD, I am curious. What's your take on the uh, Porzingis trade here to the Mavericks today? A couple of first rounders coming back, and uh, Dennis Smith, I believe, to the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think it, both uh, teams are, had different goals. Dallas was looking probably for that second. Second, you know, franchise-level player to pair with uh, Luka Doncic. Um, to get Porzingis, you had to take back Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee and give up a couple second-round picks. So, yeah, and they've, you know, they've missed out the last few years. And in free agency, they would have had some cap space this summer, but that wouldn't have guaranteed them anything. So I understood it from Dallas. You know, we just got to figure out if Porzingis, you know, is healthy. And the hard part is he hasn't played. So you're not – you haven't really evaluated him, but you're going to have to rely on your medical department. And then I think for New York, you know, they're, you know, they're in the market to go out and get two max slots this upcoming summer, and they created the room to, to do so. And you get a couple second-round pick, uh, second first-round picks to uh, either keep or use down the road. So, uh, yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, we reported around, I guess, lunchtime that um, he was technically going to ask out. And – Two hours later, he was on his way to Dallas. Yeah, indeed. And, and you mentioned the salary cap, um, Bobby, that they're going to have the Knicks now uh, this summer and in the future. And to me, this is just a clear signal that they're in some way going to be involved and try to be involved in these Anthony Davis trade sweepstakes. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even if they perhaps do land two max players, um, let's say Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, that doesn't eliminate them from – the Anthony Davis sweepstakes here. It delays the process, but if by fortune they do get the number one pick in the draft and it's Zion Williamson, you know, they, they can they can trade him, you know, thirty days after he signs his contract with basically what's remaining on his roster to New Orleans to make a deal work. So it doesn't essentially eliminate uh, the Knicks right now, um, but it it delays it if the intent is to go out and get two two max guys. So at ESPN.com, your colleagues, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe, and I think from help from Brian Windhorst, they wrote a huge piece today just behind the scenes of the Anthony Davis deal, and they pointed to Los Angeles' uh, kind of frustration here that the Pelicans aren't um, seriously engaging in negotiations right now uh, for a possible Anthony Davis trade. What do you make of all that, and do you think the Pelicans or the Lakers are making missteps here? No, I mean, I think if you are New Orleans, I, I think I know Anthony, you know, or his representative asked to be moved uh, earlier in the week. I think you still have a lot of leverage. If Anthony was on an expiring contract, then yes, he would be likely moved by, you know, by next Thursday here. But he's not. He still has another year left. Uh, if there's not a resolution by August, then I would be, be concerned here. But 
I, I think you know what we basically know what the Lakers have to offer. I mean, basically it's anybody except for LeBron and and that package that they have now. What you know it depends on what kind of draft picks you want to add is going to be there come July first. Uh, you know, it will just the Lakers will have to use some of their their cap space to to take him in. So you have a gauge as far as what is out there. Now the interesting part is that you know where are these draft picks are going to be, and I've been pretty adamant that if you are New Orleans and it, it is the Lakers as a team that you will move Davis onto, then I don't want a 2019 or a 2021 first round pick. That doesn't do anything for them based on those two players being paired together. You know, I want something in 2023 or 2024 when LeBron is, you know, 37, 38 years old and not on the roster anymore. So I, I think there's just no rush for New Orleans to, to get it. I, I get the leverage standpoint that he can say that that's the only team he can go to but we've seen it you know with Paul George we saw with Kawhi that teams are willing to go out and, and take a chance on a rental with the intent on hopefully signing him yeah and, and uh, talking to Bobby Marks here by the way front office insider for ESPN.com and Bobby this just screams by more desperation from Los Angeles than here for um uh, for the Pelicans the Pelicans like you said they have all the leverage here and especially when they get to the summer when Boston enters the market and then the Knicks and and heck maybe even the Mavericks I don't know who knows a lot of these teams will certainly enter the market for the Anthony Davis uh, trade sweep stakes here but Los Angeles they only have a finite window to win with LeBron I mean he's not getting any younger and Magic Johnson already was on record saying hey if I don't get multiple stars here fire me I'm not doing my job it seems like I mean not desperation maybe not be the right word here but they're certainly grasping at straws trying to make this work well I think they they see the window is you know basically from now until uh next Thursday and then once that passed the team that has the best you know um you know, as the most appealing package of draft picks, young players, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, now comes off the sidelines and comes into play here. It's like the kid who they, you know, you wouldn't let him play, you know, during, you know, during recess. Now they can come in and, and, and put a, a compelling offer. And I'm sure if it hasn't already happened, I'm sure there's type of some type of framework where, you know, both sides have talked here. So, yeah, I think that's the, the realization. I, I mean, I think if there wasn't the, you know, the uh, designated rookie extension rule that you know, perhaps maybe there would be a deal with Boston by uh, next week, but we, there isn't. We've got to wait until July 1st. But I think if you're the Lakers, you realize that, you know, Boston is kind of waiting in the wings here to jump in. And that's why they're, they're, they're pushing this pretty aggressively. Well, the Pelicans front office is very uniquely structured. I think that's the kind way to put it with Mickey Loomis <laughs> in charge of basketball operations while he has the duties as Saints general manager. But it still perplexes me that the reports from a lot of people there are indicating that Dell Demps is going to get a chance to make this trade. I, I just, it, it blows my mind. I have, maybe Dell stays on through the trade deadline, but Bobby, help me out here. Why in the world would Dell Demps get a chance to make this deal when I kind of thought he became a lame duck general manager the moment that Rich Paul informed him about this? You're right. I mean, that's, that's probably the interesting part here is that, you know, somebody we've heard a lot about the last couple of years from a job security standpoint, um, you know, we'll have the, the right to go out and move. But, you know, and I say this, you know, that this is probably the most important decision in franchise history. You know, when you are uh, moving a fran- you know, franchise-level player, because if you miss on it, you're going to be spinning the wheels forever in a rebuild. And, and, you, and you can't do that in the Western Conference. So you'll be like uh, Sacramento or Phoenix, teams that haven't made the playoffs for, for 10 years plus here. So, yeah, it is interesting to set up how their front office is set up where, you know, Mickey Loomis oversees, uh, you know, basketball operations. It's a football guy. It's 
you know, I was talking to someone here at ESPN. It's like, you know, I, it, it's unique because you, you, it's not like, you know, Drew Brees going in his office saying, I want to get traded to the Patriots. You know, that does not happen in the NFL where this is kind of the, this is the world we, uh, the world we live in, but it will be interesting if we get past uh, next Thursday with no trades, they miss the playoffs here. If that's something that ownership will take a look at when we get in, into the off season, because I would expect the things to pick up probably once the lottery passes and you have an idea that where, you know, where teams are picking. So as you look into your crystal ball here, and I know these are just guesses, this is a wild business, especially when you talk about big time trades in the NBA, but when do you think this deal gets done and where do you think AD ends up? I, I think we'll hear, I think this will pick up more probably when we get into, you know, late May, early June. And, I, and I'm still a big a believer it's Boston, even if it comes out that, Los Angeles is the only place um, he would go. I know Boston's been waiting for this opportunity for a long time here. This is why they, they've they accumulated their draft assets. They've got potentially four first-round picks, and they've got a nice young young group of players who have played in a lot of big games. And um, even if it's a, a one-year rental, I think they will go pretty aggressive about it with the hope that they can convince him to, to stay long-term. The question there with Boston is, does Jason Tatum become available in any of these trade packages back? Well, that's the big question, you know, and if you're in New Orleans, that's the guy you are looking for, you know, even if you've got to take one one of the one or two of these picks off the board, because, you know, he'll be going into his third year. He's on a controllable contract. You know, he'll, he'll be a restricted free agent um, and he's got a chance to be, you know, he's got a chance. He's already pretty good, uh, but he's got a chance to be all star level good. And you don't get though. Usually when you trade in all, your, your franchise guy, you're usually just getting draft picks back and some fillers, but Here's an opportunity to go out and get a, a really good player. It's Bobby Marks, front office insider for ESPN and ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter. Great follow at Bobby Marks 42. Uh, Bobby, appreciate the insight, man. This is going to be fascinating to watch play out over the next few months. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Um, yeah, just uh, boy, the saga keeps unfolding today. <laughs> uh, more storylines and, and insights about this that the the Pelicans weren't returning the Lakers calls and then the Lakers well they kind of backtracked on that apparently today and said no they were in conversations at least limited conversations with people inside the Pelicans front office about this today they're willing to offer anybody and everybody and in, in picks and any picks except for LeBron James it's the only person off the table if they blow you away with something like if they're willing to ship back just everything Ball, Ingram, um, Kuzma, like two, two or three first-round picks. Maybe you take a look at this before the deadline, but they would have to completely blow you away because they lose any leverage, and the Pelicans gain a lot of leverage, like Bobby just told you there, when it gets to the summer. And that is why I firmly believe, just like Bobby does, that we're going to get to July before any deals get done. What do you think on about all this? I'm curious, Pelicans fans, as you watch this unfold, Watch this process unfold. Where do you think AD ends up? What would you like to see done here? And what do you think about Anthony Davis? He has to talk to the media finally tomorrow. Have you soured on Anthony Davis here? Do you still have the same view you did of him before he informed his teammates and the team he wanted to trade for last weekend? Jump on in here to the program, 504 260 1870. That's the phone number. Area code 504 260 1870. And our text line is 870 870. I'm Seth Dunlap. Logan Falgo's behind the glass. It's the last lap here on WWL. Remember, if you want to win some extra cash, WWL is a place for you to listen during the day. Tomorrow is your last chance to win $1,000. 
12 times tomorrow in our Intercom National Secret Word Cash Contest. You can listen to Tommy Tucker, Newell, Scoot, and Sports Talk. And in Fans in the Pro tomorrow, actually, with Zach and Deuce. Right before the top of the hour news every hour, you can get the code word. Then you text that word 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. to WWL. We never charge for text, but individual plan texts and data rates may apply. Again, our secret word cash contest. Last chance is tomorrow. Listen, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. here. It's WWL. Here's a text from the 504 regarding Anthony Davis. I heard if we keep Davis for two years, he would lose $80 million. And I'm going to stop right there because that's – that's a little wordplay, and it's not uh, – I guess technically it's true, but it's not as straightforward as that. The Pelicans can offer him the Supermax extension, but that includes an extra year here. So, yes, it's $80 million extra, but because of the extra year that's added on there – remember, Anthony Davis, in other words, he can get offered, what, five years here, four years from everybody, anybody else? He's so good. He's going to be right. He's going to get a max extension after those four years if he went and played somebody else, uh, somewhere else. So it's not eighty million dollars he's losing here. It's just not. Because Anthony Davis, when he's up for a new contract, even if it's a year sooner than it would be here in New Orleans, he's still going to get re up for the max, folks. He's not costing himself eighty million dollars. I understand his contract would be worth less, but that's one year less on the contract. And I'm not blaming the person who texted this for asking the question because that's what's being reported. The texter goes on to say he wouldn't dare turn us down for an extra $80 million, But, again, it's not it's not $80 million. And what he's going to lose there, you know, it's, it's actually about, about half of that. He's going to make up a lot of that in endorsements if he goes to New York or L.A. or a bigger market. He'll be a more front and center face of the NBA, especially if they're winning titles. I don't blame Anthony Davis for wanting to go somewhere and win. I don't. I think he has made some missteps here, and that's probably under the direction of Rich Paul and maybe vicariously under the direction of LeBron James. Demanding a trade and only to the Lakers, going across the league and say, saying you're only going to play for the Lakers. Uh, two months after you came out and made this huge public statement and, and brouhaha about, well, I don't care about the money. I only care about winning championships. Well, I'm sorry, AD and Rich Paul and everybody else, that doesn't pass the smell test because the Los Angeles Lakers aren't your best place to win titles. It's not. Much more talent up there in Boston. Maybe even New York after the summer, after the trade they just made, if they land Zion Williamson. Or certainly the Sixers, if you can, if you can get to Philadelphia. And I will, I've said it once, I will say it a hundred more times here. The Pelicans' job is not to enrich the Los Angeles Lakers. The Pelicans' job now is to get the best return possible for Anthony Davis and make sure that you set yourself up for a relatively quick rebuild. This is going to be a painful process. It's going to be painful for the fans. It's going to be painful for the players on this roster, including Drew Holiday, who's going to have to now guide this franchise, it looks like, if if all the reports are true and they don't want to trade Drew, which... It's great. I think he's a great New Orleanian. I think he's a great representative for the franchise. But now he's going to have to spend most of his career in irrelevancy here. He's in the prime of his career. I certainly feel bad for some of the people in the front office. I even, my empathetic human side, feels bad for Dell Demps. I don't like to see people get fired. I would have loved to see this Pelicans team reach their potential this season. I told you they have enough talent here to be a top four seed in the West. Just what, This didn't happen. Injuries and and 
personality management left a lot to be desired. Depth at certain positions, point guard, the three spot, just almost non-existent. And that falls on Demps. And he should pay the professional price for this. This is a an industry, the NBA, that is all about on-court performance. And you can't go seven years with two playoff appearances with Anthony Davis on the roster and then keep your job. Let's go to the phone line here. Carl in Covington, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, sir? Hey, Carl. Look, Anthony Davis is our best player, of course, but... You know, I mean, they they talk about building these super teams. You remember when LeBron went to Miami and tried to build his team? And yep. He, he did, yeah. So his the players cannot control what goes on in the NBA. They just can't. If it's you know, it systematically doesn't work like that. Well, I mean, they can, but Carl, they can. I mean, the the system is set up where the the players have so much power here that what LeBron did in Miami, and you're right, that was one of the first super teams, I guess, that was kind of player-built. I know the Lakers, when they acquired Shaq, um, that was really more reality of that situation, although Shaq had some control there. Look, these super teams and a small pool of of true title contenders in the NBA have been around forever, but – this is this isn't new. Anthony Davis end up on the same team. Yeah. So who's going to be the superstar there? Were you saying if they end up on the same team? Well, that's going to be multiple yeah. superstars. Yeah. What what what's your question though? So you think they're going to be they're going to beat everybody or how many how many? Well, when is he when does he get there? Game? This is this is the situation the Lakers are in. Does he get there next year? Does he get there in two years? Because LeBron will be thirty six in a couple of years. What I'm saying is LeBron is the type of player that can lead any team that way. Anthony uh-huh. Davis is not like that. I he's agree there. I, I think you know, he's, he's... LeBron, can, LeBron can lead his team, but Anthony Davis is not like that. He has to – he's not a superstar, in my opinion. Well, well, I don't know about that, Carl. I mean, he's, he's a superstar. Not every superstar in NBA history has been able to carry a team on their back. Those are actually very few and far between. Michael – I think Kobe did that in the middle part of his career when Shaq left, and then he um, won titles with you know Pau Gasol in that group. Certainly, LeBron has been able to do that. I think Larry uh, Bird, uh, he had a lot of talent around him, but I think you could say he elevated the people around him. There's plenty of stars in NBA history that have had to have other stars around them to win. Kevin Durant's one of those guys. Kevin Durant is going to be, I believe, remembered as one of the 20 best players in league history when he retires, but we all know that he had to join other superstars to win. Clyde Drexler had to go to Houston, team up with Akeem to win a championship. Bill Russell had stars all around him winning those titles. So I don't knock AD for that. And also the position he plays, the power forward spot, it's really hard to elevate everybody around you. Or I mean, I put it that way. Elevating around you is different. But it's really hard to carry a team by yourself from that position. You're just not controlling the ball every play. You're not bringing it up the court. Um, you got to have facilitators. Thanks for the call, though. 504-260-1870. We'll take a break. Back with more of your calls here. Talking AD trade rumors here on the last lap on WWL. Here's a text from the 504 AD for Kevin Love and draft picks and fill-ins. LeBron would hate that. Yeah, that's not happening. 
Text from the 504, what the last caller was saying is he doesn't have the personality or leadership to be a stud like LeBron. Again, it's different. Again, it's not the position. Look at Shaq. Shaq couldn't win by himself. Shaq had to go join future Hall of Famers. Had to go to Los Angeles, play with Kobe, top 10 player there to win his titles. And then he went to Miami, joined Dwayne Wade there, who is probably a top 25, 30 player in NBA history to win titles there. So, come on. It's just it's a it's the position that he plays, and yes, it is personality. But there's just way too many examples in NBA history of all-time guys, extremely talented players, that can't win and can't elevate players around them at a a clip like you know Jordan or LeBron does. It's just, it's a failure of Dell Demps to not surround Anthony Davis with enough talent here. I think it's a failure on Anthony Davis's part to elevate the players that he had here around him from a leadership standpoint it's just it's too obvious to me and nobody's going to convince me otherwise I've talked about this with boy everybody in the market whether I'm on Scott Alexander's show or Eric Eric Asher's or um, Doug Mouton talks about this and Jake Madison and, and Mason Ginsburg and whoever I talk to, I'm not coming off this, that the Pelicans had enough talent around Anthony Davis here where they should have been a top four, maybe top five seed in the West this season. I'm sorry. LeBron had less talent last year, a much less talent, and really for the last few years in Cleveland. He just did. He's just one example of many. Here's a text from the 504. If Davis wants championships, maybe he should play better. Out for a month because of a sprained finger? Boo-hoo. Well, fingers are very important in basketball. But I don't think that Anthony Davis should shoot up again for the Pelicans this season. Just shouldn't. It's too valuable of an asset if he gets hurt, and that's just a, a massive distraction if he's on the court. Well, I don't understand why he was on the bench a couple of nights ago. And last night... In their loss to the Nuggets at home, he was on the bench for the first half, and then the second half, he wasn't there. The MIA. I wonder if the players, the coaching staff says, AD, get out of here. We don't want you here anymore. So that seems harsh to Anthony Davis, who seems like a very good, nice kid, and he is. Seems like an upstanding guy. I'm sorry. That's the reality of the situation. You say you don't want to be on the team, you don't want to play with your teammates, then you shouldn't be on the bench, especially given timeout instruction. All right, one more hour of the show. we got Dan Feldman coming on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.